there's a checklist, you know. We say you can look at some of these suttas. This this one, the Sabhasava, the second sutta, the Majima. Nikaya gives you seven, seven. Um, um, you might say dependent you know, um, factors for for awakening, for quelling the asavi. I mean, sometimes you can look at three, four, five, two, ten, twenty, a hundred. Here's seven nice seven things you can kind of check check with yourself. First of all, the first one is do do you keep reviewing things in terms of the four noble truths, or does it keep coming up as me, mine, what am I, where am I going, what am I doing? Then you know you start actually what's that? That's that's doubt or uncertainty. Oh, okay. You know, you start to to review things in these terms. Where does that particular thought form? Where does it find ceasing, or you know, where is that quiet? And where is that released? In the sense of well, the precepts, the refuges, four noble truths, the eightfold path. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. That's where, that's where I am. And then the second second. Uh, is um, restraining one should also have an awareness of um, restraining as something that's that's a continual theme one bears in mind restraining the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the sense faculties restraining the senses doesn't mean you know living strapped down it means there's a quality of supervision of where those sense organs go, what they pick up, what they attend to, realizing they're the most potent source of incoming um, incoming stuff that's going to, you know, and why one's mind is pulling those in. You know, the, 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 if the senses are not guarded, they just go, the, the old habits start pulling in things we are uh, attracted to, or and so on. So the sense of really checking. Or just distracted by it. It's just distraction, just checking what's what's helpful, what's unhelpful, what's okay, what not right now. You know, it's not this is morally wrong, but actually right now it isn't useful. It's, it'd be better just to be switch off the senses, you know, rather than just reading a magazine because you're filling, you know, filling some time. Why don't you just sort of stop? follow your breathing or just sit there feeling your body that would be so a lot of stuff is just habitual pointless kind of packing packaging um, so that we that you start to check this renunciation is a very important factor to develop because partly it has to be emphasized because it's a message that is not you don't hear a lot of, except maybe in monasteries, and it tends to be sense of somehow repressive or life-denying or somehow puritanical or, you know, um, the, the word itself goes down. People don't like it, and yet it would be inaccurate to say, you know, to, to get to avoid this term. It's right there one of the three main things the Buddha said you should develop loving kindness, compassion and renunciation 
should aim to develop it not be dragged into it fighting and kicking <laughs> we should aim to it <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's, it's a, a sense of being able to realise that we all generally have this choice we can this or that or we can just go without we can put it aside we can step back and there's a tremendous freedom in that from where most people get find themselves hooked the hooks are big the hooks are are luminous the hooks are bright the hooks are many yeah to buy to have to get to win to own to indulge you know, indulge, indulge is now you know it's, it's a word they use in advertisements as a positive thing indulge yourself in a luxury yacht indulge yourself in some chocolate liqueurs indulge yourself in a holiday spa it would actually you know <laughs> rather renounce <laughs> renounce a box of chocolates you know. so you think what is this why, why, why indulge you know uh, and uh, the, the whole shift of like this will make you more happy and and patently it does give a kind of buzz to the system but in the long run it, it's, it, it just burns out doesn't do much good renunciation makes you feel free if you're doing it from the right motivation renunciation makes you feel free and like, you know I don't need this I, I can live, I'm, I'm a free person I can live simple I don't have to build up a huge amount of money to get all this stuff going so it's always around that that most people get get seduced and pulled in have a good time, be happy therefore indulge you know so this is the sense of restraining and renouncing is a really important seem to just square up to you know, square up to it if it sends chills down your spine really investigate what, what, why do you think the Buddha taught it you know, why the Buddha looking for the ending of our suffering to make us feel better why do you think he taught this mm-hmm. why is it that most people are not awakening yeah. because this one even in dumber circles is kind of sort of well swept under the carpet a little bit but restraint and renunciation is, is something to look to 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 honour to see uh, what, I want to be able to do this not and not from a negative position but a feeling of I can be without I can I can be free of this I'm not hankering And, and basically, you know, from the, the Buddha's teaching, is that there really is no full awakening without renunciation. It's it's as straight as that. You, know. you can you can you know if you have a little bit of renunciation, you let go of a few things, you're certainly going to get some benefits. You know, a bit more renunciation, you know, you've got the possibility for more benefits more renunciation you've got capacity for even more benefits so it's not and you have to find what's comfortable for you yeah. so 
You know, it's certainly, it's, it's, you can be a, a married lay person and still, you know, get through the first three fetters. You know, some renunciation, but if you want to take it further, then really it's celibate is considered to be, you know, really um, inestimable. Not because something wrong, but just because you can't you can't um, undermine self view and feeling and attention to energies and still cooperate with it. And it's not a moral issue. It's just almost like a where do you want it, what do you want to choose? And it's it, everyone has to make their own choices and their own ways with that. And, but it would be wrong to say that there's this is not a relevant issue and we should look to our capacity to restrain and renounce and see if we can develop that in our own inner self from the right place you know, experiment with little bits little bits of letting go periods of time of letting go periods of time of abstinence and just see the benefits because it is Inestimable, but of course, it always going to take us to those four noble truths. The struggle, you know. so you know, take a little bit and then build up your resources in terms of loving kindness and meditation and companionship and so forth, and then you take it a bit further. Um, and it's not really a matter of being a monk or a nun per se, as if some ceremony is going to get you enlightened but the the underlying meanings of those are important to acknowledge you know the renunci- and renunciation is a morality are the two big meanings of, uh, of what should be occurring in monastic life <laughs> yeah. then we have the using things skillfully which means what the requisites we do have we're aware of the skillful use so as we recite every day you know here, wise reflecting, we use arms food, we use the food for a particular purpose, and it serves that purpose admirably. It's wonderful. You're not averse to eating or food, it serves the purpose beautifully. I'm really grateful, contented, and happy with that. But you know, it's there for the purpose, and as it fulfills that purpose, that's why I'm happy with it. You know, it doesn't have to be do anything other than that. and again with with using these requisites so that your time is not spent too much caught up in concerns about clothing and food and appurtenances that should support your practice rather than be an encumbrance to it so it helps when you really consider what's this for even as a as a monk, you know, then I find still uh, all kinds of things. My my cootie starts to fill up with things after a while. Oh, look at this! You know, kind of got candles and candlesticks and bits of quartz and rocks and Buddha images and all nice things that people are giving me. Oh, actually, how much do I need? <laughs> What's it for? Do I have to spend more time cleaning it and tidying it and worrying where I put it and looking after it and fixing it or just, just, just give, it, give it away, you know? Because <laughs> the more stuff you've got, the more you've got to look after. So, 
so using you know in a, in a, for a monk or nun the theme is to look at your kuti periodically turn it over it's good to have to keep moving because if you have to keep moving your kuti then you officially you get to live life because you don't want to carry <laughs> five cartloads of gear around you see one bag is enough <laughs> so that's what we do at Chitta so we actually keep rotating the lodging so it means you don't get stuck in a place you don't build up a whole lot of gear apart from me <laughs> <laughs> so pretty bad example I never get enough time to sort this stuff out abandoned by enduring so are we developing the capacity do we put effort into enduring into bearing with the disagreeable it's still it's that same sense of when the the dukkha comes something is wants to fix it change it blame it blame it on somebody blame it on oneself run away from it can some things we just have to bear with and the Buddha says this is like you know the physical discomforts just practicing bearing with it uh, not even to change it not to get rid of it but just to build up the capacity to know the mind can just bear with that particular capacity and it's something again in the West we we need to develop because there's so many let outs and so many comforts and so many buttons we can switch and so many things we can just wriggle away from you know uh, and uh, one doesn't want to bear it but you can <laughs> and he says even worse than that probably is the, is the unkind words yeah. or unkind responses you know, be with I'm fed up with being with grumpy you know people ungrateful grumpy people fed up with being ungrateful grumpy people you know. well stop being an ungrateful grumpy person yourself because <laughs> that's the one that counts <laughs> so getting grumpy about other people's grumpiness <laughs> So this is where it starts, isn't it? And just to be able to, it, the, you, the, the, the blaming experience is like a blister, to skin over the over the pain. So we start blaming others. It's really, oh, what's happening here? Okay, you know, hurt. And realizing that these things are inevitable. Physical pain is inevitable. Emotional pain is inevitable. So you know do you want to keep reacting to it every time some things abandoned by avoiding and this isn't avoiding discomfort avoiding and the Buddha says avoiding unskillful friends unskillful associations or unskillful places places where you get sucked in you know um, so we might say you know um we can get pulled into things where the mind is just absorbed you got you have little weaknesses weak points it's like recognizing you're doing a 12-step program on sangsara <laughs> <laughs> so there's particular places where you just find yourself kind of whoops yeah. uh, i used to be a, you know i used to be a, a great reader and then one one year i decided i'd stop reading anything for an entire rains retreat and that was good because it's just 
you know, I get someone in my hand almost reaches out for a book immediately. Not particularly bad. But, uh, or hanging around in little circles where you, you kind of bad mouth people. You know, where you kind of get a, a kind of grumble parlour. And he's just saying, no, I don't go in there again. <laughs> because, you know, one thing we, that humans kind of get some sense of relief from is when we, we talk about all those guys over there. <laughs> so, you say, no, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to, do, don't want to be in that circle. Mm-hmm. So things to avoid. And you notice, are you doing that? Are you putting some en- energy into that? All this is reducing the vipaka reducing not just the, the unskillful but also the habitual which is another layer of it it's not just direct, even directly unskillful just there's so much me in it there's so much habit in it I don't want to make more of that because it means the me senses are going to get thicker and stronger so yeah. and finally um, developing the, the enlightenment factors do we make an effort to develop those so all the others really between the first which is wise attention and the last which is the um, cultivation enlightenment factors all the others support that you might say the first two the first is basically sort of setting up your practice of contemplation and then the last is almost the culmination of your practice of of contemplation having cultivated restraint, endurance avoidance and so forth then your mind's going to be in a much cleaner, brighter, less encumbered state to allow these factors to arise and why these, why I've said you know, the course of Dhamma actually happens almost by itself is because and yet not by itself because you have to do the work to to get into the stream of Dhamma and the, the work is these these preliminary places the work is the precepts the work is the restraint the work is the avoidance the work is the endurance and then having done that then you actually start your mind has come out of the big um, the mainstream of uh, sangsaric habit the mainstream of the eye forming tendency and you, then you kind of come into um, the stream of Dhamma and then you start then you come into it much easier so if we skip the others it always makes the meditation much more this kind of question of how much effort and will should I put into it and really it's not supposed to be that much effort and will but you put you've done your effort on restraining and avoiding and bearing with and seeking suitable companions therefore when you come to the meditation it certainly takes some effort but it's not a, not a kind of a, a massive strain because you're not carrying so much in the first place. Uh, so that you know, and then you start to recognise you know, if your meditation is a, is like a check, checking time. If this is a lot of work, then look into what you're doing, checking checking out your your life standards, your lifestyle, and you see well actually that's got to go that's got to go because I just can't I can't I can't get into the minute I've got to give that one up I've got to stop doing that 
are going to make more effort there and there, then it's like you know you're going to be in there it's like you've got to it takes effort to build your boat and make it tight and watertight but it's the stream that carries you <laughs> but you haven't got a boat <laughs> you don't get in the stream you know so yes, there's a kind of a non-effort or, or a minimal effort just to steer and guide, which is the the uh, what might say the more directly concentrated, concentrating stillness aspect, um, which is of of uh, much more tuning and steering and balancing, and very much a much subtler form of the same kind of messages. Uh, well, what what do I do just to to uh, keep check to restrain in in terms of my mind? What do I do to balance? How do I use the breathing skillfully? Mm. So similar messages on a refined level, but much delicate, much delicate or delicate sense of effort, because we've done a lot of the major work already, and that's how you know that's how karma skillful action skillful action in the daily rounds leads into this refined kind of karma which is a subtle actions of meditation aiming to the ending of action where the mind can rest and there's not a whole load of residues that we've got to work through <laughs>